Hey, welcome to that badass podcast. I'm Kaylee, your realistic nutritionist, helping you find the balance between green smoothies and red wine. And I'm Ashley, the creator of Royally Fit, that went from obsessive exercising and calorie counting to living a free, unrestrictive, and badass life. We are here to build a tribe of babe-supporting babes so you can thrive in your fitness, health, and mental wealth. So if you like to keep it real, raw, and controversial, welcome. Let's get started. Boom! Nailed that shit! (laughs) After like 18 tries. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to That Badass Podcast. I'm hanging out here today with Kaylee and Molly Sanders, a registered holistic nutritionist who is the creator of Get Real to Heal, uh, which is a company that also has a program called 12 Week Beyond Food Program. So she is going to be talking today about binge eating, and we're going to be talking about your relationship with food. She's going to be running through her own personal story, and then also kind of like teaching throughout that. So it's going to be an awesome conversation. So thank you so much for joining us today, Molly. And I'm excited to be here. Thanks for having me. Yeah. So we're going to start with something a little bit fun. We're just going to do some rapid fire questions just so our listeners can get to know you a little bit. So don't think too much about it. Just the first thing that comes to your head. (laughs) Okay. First question. This is a very serious one. Who was your favorite spice girl? Oh, ginger. Nice. Ginger spice. Yeah. It was the hair. Ashley, um, what is your go-to Starbucks order? Uh, grande blonde with cream and cinnamon. Yum. Nice. Um, what show are you currently binging? Oh man. Well, I always binge the Gilmore girls, but I'm also, um, <laughs> right. <laughs> and I'm also right now in the middle of uh, breaking bad and better call Saul simultaneously, which is really confusing because the yeah. time <laughs> <laughs> it's confusing. Yeah. Interesting way to do it though. Good shows. Right. Um, where was the last place you traveled? The last place I traveled uh, to Maine to see my sister, Portland. Oh, fun. Fun. Yeah. Oh, that's a, another good question is where are you from? I am actually from Kansas, Wichita, Kansas. Very, I'm like a quint, the quintessential Midwesterner. And now you're living in Toronto. I am living in Toronto. I've been in Toronto since um, October 2012. And, you know, I definitely have those, um, like you said, the Midwestern roots, like I'm into the boots and steak and things like that. But I also, like I live right downtown in Toronto. The city's like meant for foodies. So it's definitely um, won me over. I think I'll stay. I'll keep it. Amazing. <laughs> We're happy to have you here. That's awesome. Um, what was the last movie you saw? Like in the theater? Or just Netflix or whatever. Um, I think it was, oh, it was that one about Ruth Bader Ginsburg on the basis of sex. It was oh. great. really good. I've never heard of it. No, it sounds, sounds like my kind of movie. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. It was really good. If you haven't seen it, definitely watch it. Okay. Um, and last question is, who is your biggest celeb crush? There are just so many. Okay. I know, right? I I've always had a like kind of a secret thing for Mark Harmon from NCIS. The, the, whatever. Yeah. No, we're both shaking your head. We're like, yep, yeah, we get it. We can see yeah. that. Um, but I also really like, um, I, for, I'm like so bad with names of celebrities. The guy, the guy from the Gilmore girls who plays Jess and now he's in the, this is us. Oh, oh, Mila. Yeah. oh yeah. So hard to say, but yeah. 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 He's also in like some of the Rocky movies. Yes. And- yeah. Yes. Yeah. He's a heartthrob. Oh and I, I Googled him one time and he's like so like into sustainability. He cares about things. He's like, 
I don't know if he's a vegan, but he's like, you know, into health, doesn't drink. He's like a, like a model citizen. And I was like, wow. You, and he's real life hot. You know how like, yeah. celebrity guys are just, like <laughs> so many muscles and so perfect. He just looks like a guy that could be walking down the street. That's also really hot. Yes. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And that's like the kind of guy I'm the most attracted to. Oh my God. Yeah. Yeah. He's definitely real life. Hot. He's got <laughs> jawline for miles. Yes, either Franco for me. Anyway, so let's kind of get into it. First off, we'd love to hear your hear your story so everybody can kind of know where you started and then we can mm-hmm. fast forward and get to where you're at now. Yeah. So it's actually funny because when, you know, they say hindsight is 2020, um, I can remember the, the very first time I kind of connected food as a way to like get out of something or escape something. This is a hilarious story. So I'm going to tell it. I think I was, I was probably 11, like sixth grade or something. And there was some type of assignment. It was like a bigger assignment where it involved like putting together art things or, you know, like more work than doing a worksheet or something like that. And I really didn't want to do it. And so um, I got up in the middle of the night and well, and before that, what I really wanted to do is stay home and watch TV and eat these like 3D Doritos that were a thing. I don't know if that was a thing in Canada, but no. they... My parents had bought them. They're like these puffed up Doritos and then they like popped when you ate them. Yeah. And I was like, you know, as an 11 year old, like so interested in the Doritos. So anyway, so I got up in the middle of the night and I mixed um, flour and salsa and made fake vomit, put it in the toilet and had my, and told my dad that I was sick so that I could stay home and watch TV. And that was like the first, and he like totally believed it. I remember that. I remember this. He came downstairs. I know, right? I was a very, I was ingenious as an 11 year old. And he came downstairs, he looks in the toilet, he's like, yep, yep, you're sick. And you know, put it down. I was like, yes, winning. And so, you know, I milked this for like three days, but I can remember that being the first time where I was like, you know, avoiding something that I didn't want to do. And then as an escape would like watch TV and, and eat. Mm-hmm. And so, um, you know, as I got older, this became somewhat of a habit where when I look at where I was in my early twenties was like probably once a month when I would get like stressed out or overwhelmed by life. I'd send everyone out of my apartment. I'd go to Loblaws or, or whatever and get like frozen pizza, pierogies, um, candy, chips, wine, Cheetos, Sour Patch Kids, ice cream, like everything. And I'd spend like a whole day, like 10 hours, turn my phone off, turn my computer off. Nobody's reaching me, just watching TV and eating. And you know, especially when, um, I went back to school for holistic nutrition, like this was still going on. And so the more that I was like putting myself out there as a nutritionist and, you know, talking to people about their health, all the while this is going on in the background, um, the kind of things that were always there to begin with, like feeling bad, physically feeling guilty afterwards, punishing myself for like three or four days after a binge or or a bender, um, just got worse because then I was also like experiencing myself as a fraud. Like how the hell am I supposed to get out there and and do anything or provide anything for people when I'm not even dealing with my own shit, you know? Um, so, and should I say what I did from there? Yeah. Yeah. I was, we're going to just let you like ride it out there, but I just want to say like, I, totally get it. Yeah. That was me. Yeah. I feel like you just, expri- it's <laughs> your early twenties. 
yeah, for sure. Yeah. And I think one thing too, that I'll say before I talk about what I actually kind of did to go in um, and deal with that is it was, I never talked about it to anybody, like anybody, not my, my family, not my friends. And I have great friends. I have great family. Like, it's not like they would judge me at all, but it was something that for me was so shameful that, um, I just kept it. And, you know, even if you get like on a mental level that there are other people dealing with that, unless you're actually talking about it with like, you know, a flesh and blood human being, it can be a very isolating experience. Mm -hmm. Um, and so, you know, about halfway through, what would it have been 2017? I just, I just started my business and, um, I was working with a partner at the time and we actually, the first time I ever really, really talked about it is we did a Facebook live video where we talked to, I talked about binge eating. She talked about, um, having, uh, turned like drinking a lot after her father passed away. And it was just like, so terrifying. I remember I was sitting in my living room, so sweaty during the whole, the whole Facebook live. Um, but it was so like raw and real and, um, once we put it out there, we got so much feedback from people being like, you know, I had no idea, but also thank you for sharing. I do the same thing. I'm so happy to know I'm not alone. This is so important. Why aren't more people talking about it? It was just like a overwhelming, the amount of feedback and the kind of feedback that we got. Um, and at the time, like I put it out there, I was still doing it. It's not something that I'd managed at that point. So I very much kind of had a, a public transformation in this area. Um, and it started by just kind of putting it out there that, hey, I'm, I'm dealing with this. Yeah. I so, just want to, oh, yeah. we both. Yeah. <laughs> I just want to say one is, so when did you go to school to be a nutritionist? Um, I started in January, 2014, I think. Okay. Yeah. So I can only imagine because when I was in school for nutrition, I almost felt like every time I would go to class, it was like everyone brought their A game and like everyone had like the healthiest snacks and their green. <laughs> Like anybody walked in with something that wasn't some, you know, healthy, it was kind of like, oh, like almost imagine like how hard it must have been for you to be in those classes, to learn all that stuff, but to be holding that in and, mm-hmm. not sharing it, and how isolating and confusing it must have been for you. Yeah. I think, um, what you're saying is, you know, I was, I'm, I was always great at, um, you know, kind of having my A game there too. But one of the things that was really debilitating about being in school, and I know I'm not the only person who's experienced this, but like, as you're getting this information, it's great because you, it's like this access point to, oh my God, there's so much you can do for like every condition, but it also can put you in a really funky headspace about what's right, what's wrong, what's good, what's bad. And, um, it becomes like very black and white, but also confusing at the same time. And so I think that while I was in school, when I'd go on these vendors, like because I had this like explosion of information now, the the guilt and the feeling bad was that much worse because I'm thinking about what is this doing to my arteries and where's all this fat going and what diseases am I developing right now? Um, so totally, I can... I can totally relate to what you're saying. And it really did kind of exacerbate what I was already experiencing for sure. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. I think people in general can say that sometimes when they learn more, it upsets them more. Um, I don't believe yeah. ignorance is bliss, but you have to move through those feelings of being like, Oh crap. When you start to learn more, it can be associated with guilt. So some people push yeah. that. Away. Um, but yeah, it's like finding that, which I'm sure you're going to teach us. It's like finding out how to move past that before you get into that. I'm just curious, 
you Mm -hmm. mentioned that you talked about this for the first time on Facebook Live. What made you even want to talk about it for your first time on Facebook Live if you (laughs) hadn't really talked about it before? Yeah, I mean, so part of it was where where we were at in our business at the time was... um, you know, we'd worked with a few people and we were kind of doing like one-on-one consultations, but we had kind of a, a bit of a come to Jesus moment where we were like, okay, this is, if we were really going to be like out there as who we are, if we were going to go out there and live like our unique contribution, what would it be? And, um, it would, one of the things we said is it would be like this very genuine space where there is room for things like, um, I don't know, like drinking, like people who, um, who do binge eat, like people who smoke, who've used drugs to, to come, um, to somebody in the holistic field and not feel like they're going to be judged for it, not feel like they're going to be reprimanded for it. And that they have this space in like their relationship or or like a coach who's going to be able to move them through those spaces in a way that's very powerful because, you know, kind of speaking to what, um, you just asked, it's like a lot of times in the holistic field, there's like a perfectionism, especially like when you think about kind of the Instagram persona that gets put out there. Mm-hmm. And so a lot of times people, um, people feel like they're going to be judged immediately if they bring something up, like, you know, I, I ate gluten-free pasta yesterday, let alone like, I want to stop smoking or I don't want to stop smoking. You know, I'm, I'm smoking and I don't want to stop or I'm drinking. I don't want to stop or, or something like that. And so we really wanted to have that space and we saw it, it, who it was going to start with was us putting our dirty laundry out there. Yeah. Right? Amazing. That's awesome. Thank you for sharing that. That's really mm-hmm. cool. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So where, so where did you go next? So you start going through this transformation publicly. Yeah. So you move from point A to point mm-hmm. B. Yeah. So I think what's interesting is around that same time, we'd also developed like the, the first version of what's now become the beyond food program. And there were kind of two spaces or sorry, three spaces to it. The one was being able to help people connect why they're feeling in their body with the foods that they're eating. The second one being able to recognize like what's in the background, like what your, your thought, what kind of thoughts, um, ideas, beliefs you have in the background about food. And then the third one being what's going on in your environment that's contributing to the, to what you're doing or and what you don't want to be doing. Mm-hmm. And so, um, you know, it's, first of all, like kind of developing that in the first place was, um, you can't, you can't develop that kind of like content or a program without kind of doing the work yourself. Um, and so that was part of it. But I think, I think the biggest thing is like, the more I talked about it, the more space I gave myself to, um, to have, to have the pull to do something like binge eating. And I should also say like, I was also smoking on and off between this whole time. Um, and you know, drinking fairly regularly and not like, not like a glass of wine a night, but like going out and, um, you know, not getting sloppy, but definitely like three or four drinks, like to the point where we know there's an impact on the liver. Right. So, um, I think as you go through developing that and even taking other people through that, you deal with yourself. So that's one thing. But I think, I think the other thing is there was a lot of stuff that in my own life that I was not dealing with. So things like, um, I wasn't happy in my relationship. Um, I was married at the time, so I wasn't happy there. Um, I also, I just wasn't, I wasn't somebody who 
naturally would go and deal with something in communication, like by getting in communication, being like, listen, there's something about, you know, our relationship that I'd like to look differently. Let's have a constructive conversation about it. It was very much somebody who would like stuff it down, keep it down. And so, you know, I definitely did a lot of like courses and like personal development, whether by myself or in like a structured environment. But the big thing, the big thing that kind of allowed me to, um, number one, like deal with my own stuff in the background and then kind of get the, the weight, um, not like physical weight, but like the weight that was like sitting on my chest, keeping me up at night, that kind of weight out was being able to start coughing up those big, um, those whatever frogs. Yeah. Yeah. I would just sometimes just the, like the therapy of just saying it out loud is yeah. so incredible. Like even just if anything in general, like I used to be very similar to like, I would keep everything to myself. Yeah. I had like a family member that was sick or I was going through something or I was stressed out of a job, whatever. I would just always keep it to myself because I never wanted to be a burden. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I feel like I can't even keep it in because I know how freeing that feeling is. It's like literally like you said, that weight off of your chest. So mm-hmm. between Ashley and Justin, like they just get everything that I'm feeling all the time. I just spew mm-hmm. it out because I know how damaging holding it in can be. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Honestly, Molly, I, I know I said this at the beginning, but I still feel like you're like regurgitating my story. I had the exact same thing when I was in a relationship. That was when my, my, that was actually the trigger of my binging. And then when I left him was the ending, end of my mm-hmm. binge. And it, and that's what took me to realize that binging was a symptom of my unhappiness and binging was a symptom of, I wasn't talking about what was happening because yeah and thought I was perfectly happy and everyone thought I was perfectly fulfilled. And then yeah. it wasn't until I got out of that and I felt this, like you said, weight come off my shoulders that I was like, oh, oh, I'm like, I was binging because I was afraid yeah. to deal with it and I wasn't mm-hmm. talking about it. And I was suppressing all of those emotions mm-hmm. and yeah, by, by binging. And I feel like a lot of people might not see that, but hopefully us talking about it will kind of bring that revelation because I know in that moment, I didn't see me binging as a, um, a consequence of not being happy. I saw it as a consequence of me not eating enough mm. or not having control or yeah. not being worthy or whatever. Right. And like, maybe there's some of those elements in it, but a lot of it was my unhappiness, my unhappiness. Yeah. Yeah. And like you, like you said, not being able to, um, to talk about it. And in one thing that I always, um, that I always share with, with clients. And one thing I'll say too, is, you know, I do work with a lot of people who've got emotional, um, emotional thing, like deal with binging or whatever. Um, but I would say that's true across the board, like anything that you've got in your body, that's unwanted, like a disease or a symptom is totally, it's a side effect of, of something else. And most of the time, like the behavior that got you there, it, you're not just doing it willy nilly. There's some, there's always something behind it. So I love, I love what you said. And I just wanted to kind of broaden, broaden that a bit, like no matter what you're dealing with, you may not be somebody who binge eats, but if you've got some other thing that you're dealing with, there's totally another layer to that. Um, but I just forgot what I was going to say. What did I start saying? No, I, we kind of interrupted, but yeah, I would say like, you know, we kind of uncovered the fact that it's more than just, Oh yeah. I think it's more than just, you know, Oh, like sometimes it is, you're just not eating enough, but why are you also not eating enough? Sometimes you have to uncover 
that as well, right? So there's so many, there's so many layers to it and it's so much more complicated than like the general public or health magazines or whatever will give you access to. They're like, oh, well, just this many calories and you should lose weight or, you know, eat more calories and you'll gain muscle. But there's Mm -hmm. like, why are we doing those things in the first place? Yeah. So many people forget or maybe even choose to ignore the fact that like it's an addiction. It's not just like, oh, you know what's really good? I'm gonna have Twinkies and chocolate and pizza and <laughs> you feel yeah. awful. Morning, <laughs> that feeling in your stomach, it's oh, horrible. Yeah. No mm-hmm. one's doing it because they're like, oh, I just had a craving. It's so much yeah. that and it is such an exactly. People that need to one people that don't have that issue need to be a little bit more sympathetic for those that do, but those that are struggling with it is you need to be able to slowly just start incorporating some sort of self-development. No matter yeah. what kind of self-development it is, something oh, yeah. to register with you that's going to send you in another direction. And it's a slow process. People just want to yeah. snap their fingers and be like, I don't have an eating disorder anymore. I don't have binge problems anymore. Yeah. It really is a slow healing process that's not just going to magically disappear overnight. No, I think it's identifying it like you're saying. And then it comes to the point where like, if I was to get into another situation in my life where I'm feeling like I'm suppressing something and I'm not dealing with it, that would be a tool my body would most likely want to go back to. But now it's identifying that and being like, okay, no, I'm not going to do that. I'm just going to have to deal with the shit that is going on. Right? So Yeah. And a couple of great things that you just said is like, um, you know, that is kind of an ingrained behavior. And even as, as recently as a month ago, like when I was dealing with something, um, in in my new relationship, I was like noticing myself want to go back to like, it wasn't like it was before, but I was like looking to watch TV, sleeping more, wanting, like being pulled to, to have a drink more often, or like wanting to go buy like pizza or sushi or that stuff that I relied on before. Um, but you're exactly right. There's, there's an opportunity for me to then be like, okay, this hasn't been here in a while. What's going on? Yeah. And, and I think one thing that's also kind of important to say is it's, it's not always like we've been talking about relationships and it doesn't always have to be something that, um, that deep or that intense that can have a behavior manifest. Like I, I had a client last week that, um, you know, the big thing for him, it wasn't like he's stuffing down anything in his relationships and we were doing the looking. And really it was just that what was at the root of him even wanting to do anything about his health in the first place was because he was so scared of, um, of getting some type of a disease. He'd like watched a couple of friends pass away. Um, and like he had had family members who were also, also ill. And so even him not being able to recognize that or say that out loud was very debilitating. So it's not always some type of like intense and dire life situation, but there, like you said before, there's always something at the root. Always, always, always. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Amazing. So, so you went through, you identified that obviously you're in a different relationship. Now you left that relationship, like take us through from that process and like kind of, I guess like the next step of after identifying it, what do you do? Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, I mean, the, the big part is you, you just start saying shit. <laughs> you have to go and, you know, do like I had, I definitely had some scary conversations um, with, uh, I don't even know where to start with everybody. Like I started having different relations, like different conversations with my sister, um, different conversations with my parents where, because, you know, a lot of times the, the way we communicate is very much rooted in like our environment that we grew up with. So, um, I remember one time 
I'm like battling with myself if I should say this because, you know, maybe people will know my parents or whatever, but I'm just going to say it. Um, but I remember one time, it was almost a year ago when I was back home, there, like that dynamic of like not saying when you're upset about something or like suppressing things, it was just so evident. Like we were like kind of bickering and reactive and, you know, we, we fought at first, but eventually we ended up ha- sitting down and having a conversation about like, listen, we're not going to have this type of a family dynamic anymore. So what's it going to take? Like, what kind of stuff do we need to get up on the table to actually start to, um, to deal with this? And it was those kinds of conversations that I went out and had and where it was me voicing, like, listen, this is, this is what doesn't work. And not from a place of pointing fingers, um, out there being like, listen, this is what I can see. I've been responsible for as like, I've been unhappy about something and I've not even said anything to you and gave you zero opportunity, excuse me, to, for us to like have a conversation or do something about this. So that's what I want to do now. And as, as I started doing that, like I said, with my families, with friends, with my, uh, my former business partner who, um, you know, like I said, was dealing with similar things as well you know, even in my relationship with, with my ex, like being able and to go back and be responsible for the things that I did that contributed to the the breakup of our relationship, man, it's freeing and it's terrifying. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, very simultaneously terrifying and freeing yeah. at the same time. And that always seems to be the case. Like the more scared you are to do it, the more free. Yeah. It becomes. Mm-hmm. yeah. But I think inside of that, um, the more, the more I put that kind of stuff up on the table and was able to see that it kind of coexists out there with other people, like my own space for, for humanity and like the way that people operate, um, and that everybody has their version of like a coping mechanism or their version of like protecting themselves or being in survival, whether it's lashing out or and saying everything or suppressing something that also, those conversations also gave me a lot of space for my for myself, you know, to, like I said, have those thoughts or those urges to want to do something and then be able to not make it a problem, not resist it, but be able to like become curious about it and investigate it and be aware of what it is that might be happening and give myself permission. Sometimes if I don't, if I can't see anything to go eat pizza or have a drink or whatever, um, and not, you know, have that derail my whole night or my whole, my whole week. Right. It's actually such an amazing feeling when you can enjoy those things, but not binge out on them. You know, when yeah. you're like, I'm actually just going to have a couple slices of pizza and a glass of wine and be done with it. And you're like, that was delicious. I feel fine. Yeah. And it's, it's people, I think often think, well, I can't have it at all. Yeah. But when you get to that place, you're like, no, I can have it and I can be in control and I can still enjoy it. It doesn't mean that those foods are forever gone. It's like, I can enjoy it <laughs> in a healthy moderation now. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And from a place where you're like grateful and you're excited and you're, you know, enjoying your time by yourself or or with someone else. Guilt free. That's the biggest thing is when the guilt is gone from it now. Yeah. Yeah. So So good. So on that, like, what does your relationship look like with food now? Right. Like, so how is that transferred and how does that feel? Mm -hmm. It's really interesting because I, I would say that now, um, I don't, I certainly don't like have those benders, but I would say actually like eat out a lot more than I used to. Um, but I do, all I can say, my relationship with food now is very free. 
I very much like kind of, um, I love cooking. I love trying new, new, like foods and fads. Like I just tried that, um, that four sigmatic mushroom coffee. Have you heard of I'm that? drinking it right now. No way. <laughs> yeah, <awesome. laughs> well, like, you know, I love trying, um, I love trying new foods, like in the kind of health, health and wellness arena, like superfoods and, and things like that. But I also, I love, I have very pretentious taste when it comes to, to food. So I also love like being able to, um, cook and try and indulge in, in like richer meals, like not pasta so much, but like, I love language, like lots of butter and garlic. And like, like, I think the kind of quintessentially French cooking where it's, you know, pretty simple, but done well, but definitely like has the cream and the butter. And so, um, you know, I, I let myself, I let myself explore, so I would say it's very healthy. It's very free. But at the same time, um, like you were saying, because I can um, can eat those things guilt-free and I've gotten to that place for myself, um, I, I, t- I find that I eat less because I'm, I'm more in tune with like what, what I'm looking for when I'm full. At, <clears throat> excuse me. At what point I'm going to start feeling bad or feeling bloated. That just awareness has really, has really increased. Um, but I do, but like, yeah, I do still have times where, especially when I go home to Kansas, where the environment I grew up in was very much like hot pockets and, um, macaroni and cheese oriented. <laughs> I definitely struggle in those situations a little bit. Um, I don't know. Did that answer your question? Yeah. Yeah. And I think yeah. that that's normal that, that we should all try and strive to get back to that place where we can eat those things without guilt. And that when we are eating healthy, it's from a place of choice, not a place of scarcity of, yes, uh, I need to beat myself up because I didn't, I binged or, you yeah. know, I'm not worthy because I feel like I'm overweight. Yeah. So it's very different place when you're eating those you know, let's say healthier type meals is because you want to feed your body and feel good. And when you're indulging, some mm-hmm. people like to use that term, but let's just say it because it, it makes sense. When you're indulging, it's guilt-free because you know you're allowed to, and it's not because you're trying to suppress some sort of emotion. Yeah, exactly. Back on that, because I think one of the biggest things that I struggled with in the past was that like Monday to Friday, I had to eat so perfect. Like it was mm. going to be low carb and like green smoothies and this and that and other. And then the weekend came and it was like, yeah. how many calories can I get in? <laughs> and then Monday would roll around and I still sometimes have this, like this setback, but like I can bounce back from it a lot quicker, but Monday would roll around and I feel awful. I'd feel sick. And it was like this every week I'd go through the motions of like, from feeling sick to feeling really good. Boom, weekend, repeat. Or now it's like, if I want to have takeout pizza on a Wednesday, yeah, myself have it, and I know that it's like, oh my god, I'm not going to get to have this again. I have to eat the whole thing. It's like I'm just going to eat a couple pieces. I'm going to enjoy it, and then tomorrow I'll just eat normal again. And yeah, kind of allowing yourself to indulge in those cravings because trying yeah. to put it all into one day, I would eat myself sick, and yeah. I wouldn't be enjoying it. I'd be like shoving Reese's pieces in my mouth, and I'm like, I'm so full, but I have to be good for the next six days, and that's. Mm-hmm way more unhealthier relationship than like, Oh, it's Tuesday. You know what I'm going to have chicken fingers. You know what I mean? Like letting yourself have that. Yeah. Not just like, you're not putting that food on a pedestal kind of. Yeah. Yeah. And one thing that, um, I think would, one thing I'll, I'll put in that I do this a lot with clients and that I think, um, was very freeing for me is I very much. Uh Oh, Oh no, we froze. Uh Oh, 
Oh, oh, there, there you, you are. Go. There you go. Okay. <laughs> start that part again. So I very okay. much. Um, okay. So yeah, one of the things I was going to say is one of the things I interrupt with people is that, um, that there exists anything intrinsically that's good or bad for you. There's no good food, bad food. There's no right food. There's no wrong food. And once you can kind of get people to an even playing field about that, there's just the food that goes in your mouth and then, you know, build on that like education. So like what it does to your body when you're eating from that place of, of feeling like you've got to stuff something in or even eating a healthy meal and feeling like you're depriving yourself, like the impacts that that has. And then, you know, being able to like bring them through the spaces of like, what, what is it that's triggering you in that particular situation? There's like, that's, I wanted to put that in because that's one of the ways that you get there. Cause I think there can be a disconnect when people are listening to, to like where we are. Right. Um, so like, well, how the hell did you get there? Okay. You went and you started talking, what the hell am I supposed to do with that? You know, I think one of the first things is if you can wrap your mind around and develop that muscle of relating to food, like there's no good food or bad food or right food or wrong food or right way or wrong way to eat. There's only what you can, what you're doing for yourself and your body and your mind. And that's that it's individual and it doesn't have to look a certain way. That's where you have to start. Oh, that was so good. Okay. <laughs> but I have to be devil's advocate and yeah. ask a question. Yeah. yeah. As, as holistic nutritionist, mm-hmm. how, like, I don't like, I agree with you. I don't want like my daughter who's a toddler to think of food as good and bad. However, I want her to recognize how foods make her feel. And sometimes those are healthier foods. So mm-hmm. how, do you, how do you not identify something as bad when really it is unhealthy for you? It does cause inflammation. It can cause mm-hmm. So how do you, how do you, yeah. So like how, please break that down for our listeners. Because if you just, if you come with the intent of there's no good food and bad food, then Mm -hmm. that also gives some people permission to just eat tacos every day and just eat whatever they want. But like I, people need to have some ownership over their own health. And that sometimes that does come with good food in quotations. So if you Mm -hmm. can break that down. Yeah, totally. So I think for me, um, I would differentiate the two. Because this food makes me feel bloated. Yes, that is an unwanted symptom, but is it intrinsically good or bad? No. Does that, does that make sense? It's like this. So for example, if, um, so I have like a lot of clients who can um, connect when they eat sugar with pain, like specifically in their joints. So like their back or their knees or something like that. Now, when they're, Yes. Do they not want that symptom? Of course. Now, is that food intrinsically good or bad? No. And the reason I have them differentiate that is because when they can start connecting it, like it creates when they're, when their brain is obsessed with whether this is good or bad, they can't pay attention to food is making them feel. And like, because that conversation, um, about good and bad food because it's so ingrained in our brains from the media, from social media, from our parents, from our doctors, from our upbringing, like all of that, it will always win out in terms of like, that's what the brain will focus on because that's what we've been trained to do. So when you can eliminate that conversation and have them start connecting to their body cues, like you're just saying, like I want my daughter to, to be able to start connecting the, you know, that green things give her energy and, um, you know, that sugar makes her crash and being able to, 
to recognize that a thousand percent. But when that conversation is is going on, you can't. And you'll notice that you're saying this because mm-hmm. so many people are like, this is good, this is bad. And for example, kale. They're like, I have my kale salad every day, but I'm still really bloated. I'm gassy. I'm in pain. And it's like, okay, kale, technically, yes, healthy food, but maybe it's not good for you. And yes. so what you're saying is like, you're teaching people to listen to when they consume that food. How do they feel versus this is a good food. This is a bad food. It's what yeah. is good for you, for yeah. your building issues, for your digestive tract, for your well-being, for your health, for your happiness. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And if you look at kids, they're very in tune with their body. They'll come to you and they'll be like, mom, my, my stomach, my stomach hurts or mom, I'm tired or whatever. They're very in tune with their body, but that good and bad food conversation is learned. So we have to very much unlearn the good and bad food conversation before we can get back to like that level of awareness, um, with how a particular food makes you feel. But I love that you brought that up because it is something that people grapple with. You're like, what do you mean there's no bad food? Are you insane? <laughs> yeah, I, I'm going to be completely transparent. Like, I still kind of grapple with it. I, I do teach my daughter about the way it feels. Like, she knows if we go somewhere and I have, like, say there's a lot of cheese, I'll be like, honey, that will give you tummy troubles. Like, you can't have a lot of that. I don't say that's a bad food. However, yeah. I, I do want to educate her as she gets older to be like, I don't want you to overconsume those kind of things because yeah. it will cause inflammation and it could cause disease for you. And there are scientific things. So I, I'm still kind of on the other side that there are some bad foods, but I don't think you should attach yourself to them. Right. We're always with our girls. Like we're always saying, um, you know, like focus on the way it makes you feel, focus on the way workouts make you feel, focus on the way food makes you feel, focus on the way if you're dehydrated or hydrated, how that makes you feel. It's always about how you feel. And that is a a lot bigger motivator because if they notice that physical, emotional, spiritual change, then they're going to be motivated to keep going. Um, but yeah, I still, I guess I'm on the other side of the fence just to be like, give two points of view that I still kind of grapple with that concept when it's being put out there, because I think a lot of people misunderstand it. And then they're like, Mm. Oh, okay, great. I'll just eat whatever the hell I want because there's no good or bad food. And energetically, that means that (laughs) that's what I hear a lot. Energetically, if I don't think it's bad, it's not going to have a bad effect. I call BS on that because Mm. I think that things call that cause inflammation and disease in your body. And there's a lot of behind that, right? So just sides. And I, I invite you to say some more, but yeah, that's the yeah. I see you and Kelly are like, yeah, but I'm kind of like, I can't really commit to this. Well, I think the big thing that's um, that I haven't really said that I think will give you some space in that is, you know, having a good or bad food doesn't mean like eliminating that conversation doesn't mean that eating something will not have an impact. So just, you're right, you know, like just the way that me eating green things like five times a week will provide an anti-inflammatory effect versus me eating burgers five times a week is going to inflame my joints. It's not that there's no impact. Of course there is. It's just, you know, at the end of the day, you, what my goal is, is to really like empower people to make those connections. Um, and you know, and there are people who are not going to want to, to give that up or whatever, you know, there are people who, um, completely understand like what it is that they're doing to, to their bodies. And then they're going to go and they're going to, going to do whatever. Um, and that's okay. I think think it's mostly, I guess I think it's mostly a conversation of, of ownership and being able to get clear for people that, 
you know, there's going to be, there's going to be an impact to the like physical food you put in your body. There's going to be an impact in your digestive system given like the mental state that you're in while you're eating, there's going to be an impact to what's motivating your food behaviors. Like there's always an impact or always consequences. I like the word impact better than consequences because consequences is a bit loaded. Um, but it just, there's no space for that conversation when people already know what's good and bad or right and wrong. Yeah. I understand what you're saying. I just think there's a lot of confusion out there with like a lot of people are like, well, and because a lot of people right now are thinking, oh, okay, well, energetically, like I just mentioned, it's like intuitive eating. Yeah. The whole intuitive Mm -hmm. eating thing. Like, and I, I, I do believe that we preach intuitive eating in our program, but I have Mm -hmm. a hard time. I I have a really hard time attaching ourselves to that title because uh, that is often recently associated with, you know, well, they're gluten Mm -hmm. Dairy isn't bad. Sugar isn't bad. All these things aren't bad because, you know, intuitively, if you energetically don't think it's bad for you, then it's not going to have a consequence or an impact like you're saying. And I don't believe that. And I don't want Mm. other people to believe that. Well, one thing I would say is you can't eat intuitively when you're not in control of your body. So if you're consuming way too much sugar, you're going to keep craving more sugar. So Mm. intuitive eating is something like you wake up and you're like, okay, I want a McDonald's yeah. breakfast sandwich <laughs> to actually kind of get rid of all of that, like yeah. cleanse it out, learns like it's, it's a slow process, but now I would say like, we're both at a spot where like, I can kind of tell them like, Ooh, you know what? I don't think I had enough yeah. the last few days or, Ooh, I think yeah. I actually had a few too many carbs. But, yeah. Well, does the average person that's dieted their whole life and binge, should they wake up and be like today I eat intuitively? Probably not. No, but they yeah. can start. They yeah. can start figuring out how they're feeling after each meal. They can start pinpointing what actually uh, makes them bloated, what makes them constipated, what makes them fatigued. And then eventually they can lead mm-hmm. into life where, like you were saying, no good, no bad food. It's, I don't feel guilty if on a Saturday afternoon I want to have an ice cream cone. Would mm-hmm. I have that every day? Absolutely not. But yeah. I'm not going to be like, I'm bad. That was bad. This is bad. I had the ice yeah. cream. Yes. I can, and, and I completely agree with that. Yes. Yeah. And that's, that's really good. And one thing I'll say too is like, I never start there with people. The first four weeks when I work with people, it's all about like designing their plate, educating them about, about the body, their physical, like getting their, um, kind of getting their body under control a little bit, like balancing blood sugar. And then once they can start to make those connections themselves, then we start that conversation. You're right. There's a huge baseline that's got to be established for people um, where there is like, yes, this is, this is a recommendation for, from me. And this is what, like, I'm telling you will make you feel better. And these are the things you should look out for. These are the changes you should watch out for that you're going to experience this week. And then the second week and then the third week. Totally. You've got to establish that baseline for people for sure. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And then, like you said, like educate them on food and let them be aware of how that has an impact on their body. But then like we started this conversation, why they're even wanting to eat that food in the first place. So if you go back as resistant as I am to like the good and bad food, like some people almost abuse themselves with, let's say, bad food because it's a form of punishment or it's a form of like, so it's also going back to how we started this conversation is like, why are you even wanting to choose those foods in the the first place? Mm -hmm. Self-love can be, you know, making yourself green smoothies every day of the week, but it can also be going out for pizza and having some awesome IPA beer and not giving a shit because that's also uh, self-love as well, right? Mm -hmm. So it's it's finding that balance between the two and 
uh, as you're saying, you know, you try to like lay down that foundation at the beginning mm-hmm. and we try to do the same as well because we don't believe people can get to that place without almost like cleansing themselves of those addictive things, right? Yes. Like not only the emotional attachment, but also the addictive properties of food. Yeah. Really, 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 really true. Yeah. Yeah. And I think even the, even with people um, that I've met who are like, well, you know, this is, this is what I, I do to like show myself love, like what you're talking about, the people who, um, I don't know, I guess are like not, not interested or, um, I don't know, not willing to, to look a lot of times there's even something behind that. Like people who like are very tied to like their, their pizza and beer and cheeseburgers or whatever. Usually there's some conversation that they're in about whether they can actually achieve what they really want. So I'm not going to say what I really want anyways, because it's not possible in the first place. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Big time. That's a huge thing in the body positive community. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. A whole other conversation, but yeah, I completely agree with you. Mm-hmm. Um, so before we wrap up, why don't you, why don't you just kind of share what your 12 week program is with people? So if they're interested yeah. in you, like what, what does that look like for them? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So the 12 week program, first of all, it's my baby. I love it. And every time, every time I coach somebody through it, I get so much myself. So I'm, I really like put myself into the program. Um, but so it is 12 weeks how it works. It's all virtual. Um, so each week you have a session with a food coach, either myself, or I have five amazing food coaches who, who work with me and coach the program as well. Um, so your first session is one hour. The follow-ups are 30 minutes. You also have a video from me each week, about 20 minutes where we talk about, um, for the first four weeks, like I said, being able to connect what's happening, um, in your body with the foods that are going in and you get kind of your baseline for how you should be eating for your life. And the second four weeks, we very much deal with like your thoughts and we do have a whole week focused on food guilt um, and like being able to generate motivation rather than relying on the kind of motivation that you do or don't wake up with. And then the last four weeks, we very much focus on um, the environment, like your physical environment and what it's going to actually take to um, have everything that you put in place in those first eight weeks stick forever. Yeah. 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 Really, my goal is I don't actually want to see you again after the 12 weeks. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. That's awesome. That's yeah. Cool. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, so the in those coaching conversations, like all of my team, they're holistic nutrition, nutritionists, but we're also all um, trained and I train them in performance coaching. So we're very much like focused on we want to get you results and we want to leave you with that that power and the ease and the second natureness to eating that is a, is a lot of times like what we're looking for, but doesn't, doesn't always end up happening. Yeah. And then one thing, if I can just um, say as well, I also have some mini courses that I'm launching in the next couple of weeks um, on superfoods, uh, the keto, uh, keto diet and plant-based eating. Very cool. We, this actually won't be coming out for the next couple of weeks. So that'll probably be right when uh, people are listening to this. So how, oh, yeah, can, probably. how can they find you? Yes, yeah, so you can find me um, on Facebook and Instagram uh, on Facebook where Get Real to Heal and Instagram at My Get Real to Heal. And then our website is MyGetRealToHeal.com. And you can also just Google me, Molly Sanders, and find me as well. Amazing. I think it was, our listeners are going to be checking you out after this. <laughs> I hope so. It's incredible. Mm-hmm. I hope so. And I just want to say thank you so much for having me on. Like, this is, this is such a, like, near and dear conversation to me. And so being able to have it and, um, you know, get this out there for more people and allowing me to, you know, share my story and what I do with, with your people. Um, I, I'm so grateful. 
Amazing. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for spending oh, the time with us today. What? We still have another question. We do? What makes you feel badass? Yes. Before we wrap up, <laughs> what makes Molly feel badass? What makes me feel badass? Um, so to be honest, what makes me feel badass? Remember when I was talking about that pretentious food taste? Yes. When I like end up with a plate of like, you know, on point restaurant quality cooking, I feel pretty badass. I think I need to come to Toronto and we need to have a food date because I am so on par with you when it's like that French, like decadent. Oh, oh yeah. That is By my the way, I'm also an epic cocktail maker. I am oh, my oh, yay. All right, I'm coming to visit. That also makes me feel badass. <laughs> the perfect cocktail. <laughs> what's your what's your favorite restaurant in Toronto? Oh man. Um, I, I don't know if I could pick a favorite. I do. There's a place close to me that's called East 36. It's kind of like, it's not that famous, but they have like really good, um, kind of like French style food. They, their short ribs are so freaking good. Oh my God. I'm so, so freaking good. good. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and they have a great brunch. Oh, but I also love Mercado. Oh, I haven't heard of either of these places. That's fun. Oh, well, you can come and we'll just make a day of it. We'll have brunch and then we'll do the walking around and we'll go to the market and buy food and drinks and just have a freaking awesome time. Awesome. As soon as it's warm out, I'm all over that. Yes. Yes. Come when it's warm and there's green things, you know, and sun. (laughs) Well, thank you so, so much, Molly. It was incredible talking to you and hearing your story and and sharing that with our listeners. Yeah. And don't forget to stay badass. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of That Badass Podcast. If you could do us a huge favor and head over to iTunes and leave us a five-star review, we would be so grateful because you have no idea how much that helps us grow our podcast. Yeah, and as an incentive and a little bonus, we're going to be doing a monthly giveaway and it's going to be kind of a mix of everything that we have to offer. So one month it could be Royally Fit Online, joining our community. It could be from the Badass Boutique or maybe even just some like free recipes and like a coaching call or something with us. We will figure it out month by month as we go. So yeah, please go over iTunes, podcast app, leave us a five-star review. And once again, thank you so much for listening. Spare Room Studios.